0: Something to share with the body, no matter who the body is. Blue Poetress. On this particular show, which is a bonus show for this portion of Beyonce's Internet, I am graced and utterly humbled that an educator, a black educator, has decided to come on on this particular program. Blue Poetress is a mother, a daughter, a sister, a friend, and an advocate who is in the way and by way and by necessity of education. It was a grace to speak to her. And my hope as you, as you partake of this particular show is that you hear her passion, that you hear exactly what it is that she is trying to do and trying to impart in the life of the children whom enter her classroom, whether in person or virtually. One of my mentors, Dr. Drusilla Walls said, never call yourself just an English major. And it is through the voice and vehicle of Blue Poetress and her passion that that has become that much more evident. Writers and poets are needed now more than ever. The experiences by which we all are facing are so unlike anything we have even conceived of. And for that reason and for that cause, words will always have and hold power. And with us realizing that we are now two years from the loss of Toni Morrison, and even more years since the loss of Audre Lorde, it is more important than ever that we support our writers and artists. Toni herself said, in times of great strife, that artists do their, their best work. And with that in mind, I ask you, to give your complete attention to soon-to-be world-renowned author, speaker, and poet, and my sister-girlfriend, Blue poetress.
1: welcome to the writer's block this space is for aspiring writers indie and published authors who desire tips tricks and tools to foster confidence in your ability to write this space is also for voice actors editors and literary agents all those people whom are writing adjacent Let this space be a haven, a resource, and a reminder, you can write all you see and see all you write. Grab your pens. We're about to circle the block.
2: Hello.
0: Good afternoon, Blue Poetists. It is so great to have you on the show. How
2: are you? I am well. How about yourself?
0: It is always uh, it's always a beautiful day here on the writer's block, no matter what is going on.
2: Word
0: words, words and their magic still go forward even in global pandemics and times of extreme stress and strife.
2: And snowstorms.
0: And <laughs> and snowstorms, because at the, at the time of this recording, we are living again and yet and still in unparalleled times with snow just just beating all of us and mother nature reminding us that it's still a pandemic and stay at home. So we, right. we are trying to be uh, willing and obedient.
2: Absolutely.
0: But for those of us of the listening audience who are not familiar with your work and your magic, could you give us a brief introduction?
2: All right, so my name is Blue Poetress. I am a 20-year educator veteran for English high school. I am also currently going to college and finishing my MFA in creative writing with a concentration in poetry, amen and hallelujah. Uh, The goal is to be published by the end of 2021. I'm a mom, I'm a mom, I'm married 15 years. And I have my own business, uh, Blue Poetry's Creations, and um, tiny, tiny bit uh, TikTok famous with the <laughs> ninety-three thousand followers, <laughs> which, is sne- which is nothing to sneeze. Which is nothing to
0: sneeze in the uh, time in which we live, where erasure seems to be a pastime.
2: Mm. So,
0: and it is amazing to have met you through the uh, notorious app known as known as TikTok. So I know that you mentioned you, that you were an educator and a secret dream of mine moons ago and maybe even still a sprinkling in the present is, was to have been an English teacher. See, this I'm going to tell my age a little bit because when Ooh. I graduated high school in 1999, which is now, what, 21 years ago?
2: Oh, I'm still older than you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so
0: when, so, when I, so when I graduated high school, at the time, in the late '90s, NYU had the best English program in the country.
2: So I now, got, because I kind got disbanded, uh, NYU. No, <laughs> I you did. Know, that was my dream college. It no! was, <laughs> and now, and now they have the audacity to now have uh,
0: low low residency, and we'll put a pin in that in, in, and get back to that here in a second. But you know, I my dream was to go ahead and pursue English and teach so how I tumbled down the rabbit hole of science you know I'm still trying to work work my way out of but it's still it has always been a dream of mine and I guess you could say I kind of I do the freelance thing on the side which is all which is you know which is always conducive to my creative abilities yay for that but I really want to know about your writing journey because again what you are doing is literally what I wanted to do and am and, and kind of trying to bend uh, the will of the world so I can actually get back that way because the trajectory mm-hmm. I was on before COVID, I was actually going to be uh, leaving the day job, which is actually healthcare, and pursue the MFA. actually had like, a, I, w- I had like a TA assignment, um, like, like 95% of the term. had a teacher I, who uh, believed in me, who I was gonna TA for. And then the world stops. So I'm going to live vicariously through you for a minute (laughs) (laughs) as you describe your writing journey.
2: Well, my writing journey, uh, I've been writing since I was an adolescent. Uh, I would use writing as my mode for communication when I could not speak to people, Uh, specifically my mother. (laughs) And... (laughs) and, um, I would definitely say that there has been a drastic evolution of my writing since that time in style, in depth, in technique, and clearly uh, subject matter, because as we grow, things that were important to us then are no longer important or significant. And now, you know, the rose colored glasses are off and we write more honestly as we mature and age. Um, So I think my writing has evolved into something hmm, grown up. (laughs) And I I love
0: that you use the phrase, my writing has matured, your writing has matured, and and it's allowed you to grow up. I think that, um, I think just being being able to be that honest about where you start and where you end up. I have always found that most fascinating, because again, in here I go with my uh, education soapbox, but this is why I am such an advocate for literacy for Black children. I think one of the main reasons, the main ways and reasons by which we fight erasure is to give them control of a narrative, i.e. teach them how to write. Rather than being forced to just uh, examine what is what is in front of them, but uh, allowing them to think as well. So I mm. think that sometimes, uh, you know, English teachers are the hidden heroes of the system. Uh, one of my uh, favorite uh, professors, and I've mentioned her on the program more than once. Her name is her name is Dr. Drusilla Wall, and she said that never call yourself just an English maker. You are never just an English maker. When she said that it was almost as if, you know, had been lifted from me. Because again, there you know, we have you have people oh, have people that um <laughs> growing up is quote, you can't eat with an English sugar. You know, my own father told me that. So, you know, you have this uh, needing you to create an, and uh, clearly a, an ability to, um, as, uh, as, a, as most scholars and, you know, um, as I like to call most high, uh, professors, call Toni Morrison's work, she's able, she was able to bend language. So to actually have this ability, again, as a Black child, I think that does, that's not spoken to enough. So the fact that you're actually in the way of that is amazing. It, it is, I, and I think that also, I think that uh, also that you know, creative writing and again in that in that ability, teaching a child or or an adult in some cases, the ability and giving them the courage to bend to bend their reality to say, okay, look, these rose colored glasses are making my eyes it. What is really going on? Let me take these off and really see what I'm if I'm really seeing what I'm looking at.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And what got, what got you into teaching high school English? Because there's a lot of uh, English majors that I know that forgo the jungle that is high school sometimes and actually go directly uh, to teaching at a collegiate level.
2: Uh, I still hope to teach on the collegiate level. What got me to high school was when I was getting my bachelor's I did my student teaching at a middle school in West Virginia, because I went to West Virginia University. And after that experience with those raging hormones, where the children are still on that cusp of adolescence and teenage
0: I do apologize for the small break in audio here, but... Now that I have your attention, it is a good idea for me to go ahead and remind you to follow Blue Poetress on all her social media. That includes TikTok, where her family is 93,000 and growing, YouTube, and also on Instagram. And also, she is on Clubhouse, where her particular clubhouse is Oxtail and Champagne, When Pens Speak, which she hosts every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Back to
1: the show. Hello, I'm
0: sorry, blue poets, There, there okay. was all kind, all kind of interference and dead spots and all, all matter of a, uh, as my, as my, uh, pastor would say, all matter of evil presence. So we had, to so, <laughs> but we, but we go forward. And before, Amen. we were, and but before we were interrupted, you were describing just how you had gotten into teaching high school English. You said you were doing student teaching.
2: Yes, so I was doing my my undergraduate uh, bachelor's degree at West Virginia University, and my student teaching was at a middle school, and it was at that moment <laughs> I knew I could not handle that age group, um, the hormones, the the ones that are still stuck in adolescence, the ones who think they're too grown, um. And I knew I couldn't do the baby babies. I don't have the patience. I'm not built that way. <laughs> um, I figured that high school was the closest thing to college where I could talk to them like real people. Mm. Uh, and that's, that's what I, I prefer. I'd rather talk to you, oh geez. I'd rather talk to you as a soon to be adult than then deal with the child, uh, so that's why I made that decision.
0: But there's a wisdom in realizing that look, I can't deal with anybody under fourteen about these things. Uh, I can't I can't deal with anybody under fourteen
2: absolutely. about about
0: these things. Uh, as I my mean, as it's, my it's
2: bad enough with with freshmen and and even with some sophomores in high school that if you're reading a text or writing a text and all of a sudden they're like. Uh oh, you know the they they can't help but be little kids, you know, right? And
0: best thing about being an English teacher, I personally think the best thing about an English teacher just just this is just in my opinion, and this is me still having some you know some uh, fog on my rose colored glasses is you literally get to introduce work to children and to young adults who may not even know this person even existed prior to you know, entering into your classroom. So you're kind of, you're kind of um, on, a, on a consistent archeological dig through, through books, which is all automatically amazing.
2: Absolutely. Um, so for me, I would agree that the best thing about being a high school English teacher is when the bell rings and your students don't want to leave the room, that mm. we get into a novel or a play or a, a poem or an essay or a story. And it's so good. And I make it so relatable that they don't want to leave. And and I'm that, that teacher that when we're doing Romeo and Juliet, oh, I'm on the desk. I am Juliet. You know, we just did, uh, we just did fences virtually and I was Rose, Oh, okay? Hello, somebody. Oh. And oh my. my students, when the period was over, it was like, but miss, can we please keep going? Please. Um, that <laughs> It's that joy when your students or, or anybody when you're reading, if you're on stage, And what you're doing or what you're saying touches someone and they think differently by the time you're done with them. That's how I feel as an English student. That's the joy that I get. That kid that walks into my class on the first day and it's like, I hate English. I can't stand English. I've never liked English. <laughs> and then by June, it's like, oh, my God, Miss, you're my favorite teacher ever. I love English. This is the best <laughs> subject. <laughs> you know, or, or that quiet student that quiet student that all of a sudden, wait a minute, are you, are you acting right now? Like, are you making me cry right <laughs> now? <laughs> like, and then they come back years later and thank me. That's, mm. I think I think teachers, and I want to say teachers and doctors are, are mm-hmm. one of the few fields that people come back to and say, thanks for what you did. Like I've had, I've had a student who, and I call him, uh, he's my Asian son and Mm. this is, this is 15 years ago and I'll never forget. He was a hothead, wasn't going to class, had crazy anger issues. And I introduced him to poetry and what was it? Two months ago he and we've been in contact over the years and two months mm-hmm. ago he sent me uh an email and he was like hey hey mom uh, i just want to <laughs> let you know that i'm flying to california to start working on my own show like what Like awesome what? <laughs> i was like don't forget your your, your black mama over here <laughs> <laughs>
0: Remember when we went through? Remember when we went through? Remember we went through these lines of stances, stands in the free form. Remember that? Remember? Yes. 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 <laughs> and it and you said so much there, and I will dare to try and unpack it with <laughs> the resurgence, if we can say that, mm-hmm. of the respect of the work of August Wilson.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It is amazing, and it it almost feels, it almost feels like we have never lost him. Because right. the work is the work is that deep,
2: mm-hmm. the work
0: is that profound, the work is the the breath of the work, and
2: Seems, it's timeless.
0: It's timeless. It, it, it is it is timeless. And I actually found this out through uh, watching um, my my Reigns Black Bottom shameless plug. We should mm-hmm. everybody should watch that. Everybody should dissect I that. Wow. It was, it was amazing great. in it. it
2: um,
0: you know, it, it made me it made me almost throw my TV because I forgot Chadwick Boseman was dead for a minute because I mm-hmm. was just like. There's just there's just so much so much so much, but the thing that I have always liked about Wilson's work is just not not even just how relatable it is, how exact the dialogue is. It's the fact that a man wrote it, even though some of the most powerful characters in his work are women. Right. It's that same it's that same uh, presence that Eric Jerome Dickey had for his work that he is actually able to write black women. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think that is lost with uh, Black women, especially especially in literature written by Black men. That sometimes we fall into those tropes of being of being the Mammy and being magical and just and just being and not having full presence of self, a full presence of self evident in the work. So the fact that you were all you were all were able to to do Fences virtually, because I remember when I watched it, and I just and there just everything in it. I had actually seen somebody in my family go through, and then when she told, when in the again in the in the Broadway play and the retelling, we you know the famous retelling of, uh, that's done mm-hmm. by Denzel Washington and uh, the magnanimous Viola Davis shouts to both of them
2: mm-hmm.
0: when she looked at him and said, "You are a womanless man." Yes, every every woman who has been who has been through something, I'm sure. I wanted to jump up and fight. I told, I looked at my now ex-cousin and said, I wish you would. (laughs) (laughs) I I wish, I'm thinking, I "I wish to God you would because this was, (laughs) you know, it will take, it will take the Lord to save you from from how angry I, from how angry I would be. But the thing about good writing, the thing about good writing is that it's able to transport you. And the fact that, you know, we are seeing this resurgence and, you know, rediscovery as it were of Wilson's work is amazing and as a black writer that that does nothing but fuel my ambition and uh for um, my uh for my undergrad for our yeah for my 3800 level class it was called you know African you know, American literature after 1855 mm. so one of the first works that we did was uh, was beloved this was right after Toni Morrison died so mm. I was trying not to like cry and clap. I'm like, we're studying beloved and Tony Morrison is... ah! So it was just so it was just so <laughs> much, right? Yeah. It was just so much. I'm like, I'm like, we're studying I'm studying Tony Morrison. I'm finishing my undergrad. This is amazing. And yet
1: Tony Morrison's dead. I
0: Yeah, I can't handle this right now. Mm-hmm. But the but the thing that um that the but the other play that we one of the plays that we actually uh, read of his was uh, King Headley the Second, which is actually the levels to that play and I remember reading it out loud and then uh, my youngest my oldest daughter who will be 14 she heard me just like cracking up laughing at stool pigeons she's like mm-hmm. mama can I read that when you get done mm-hmm. and then you know August you know August August Wilson doesn't shy away from profanity or anything else so I said mm-hmm. you know I'm like you know you look you've heard us first here <laughs> I was like here but by all means, yes, my teenage daughter, read August Wilson without being provoked. Yes, this is great.
2: Absolutely, so, that's fantastic.
0: So the one thing that I I am desperate to ask your opinion about, and I know you've been quite vocal about this on social media, and so have I, we know that the depiction of African-American people in animation has a long and sordid history. Oh. If we can just use the word sordid. And I know <laughs> one <laughs> If that's the that's the closest that's the closest thing to al- almost profanity that i could use on this on this particular show but mm-hmm. one of the things that drew me to follow you on social media was just your your not your knowledge base and your passion about it and i know that you've gotten some backlash about you know oh you know food poets you're just you're just you know you're you're making a mountain out of a molehill you know it's not mm-hmm. that big of a thing but when but i saw when I saw this particular TikTok video, when you set the cup down, I'm like, oh, this is about to be good. <laughs> so for mm-hmm. those of us who hadn't those of us who have not seen that particular TikTok video, and again, all this will be in all your social media will be in the show notes. Could you explain where your passion came from?
2: So we watched the new um, Disney Pixar movie, and everyone was so excited. And I can't downplay the fact that, yes, was it an improvement? Okay, okay, we had way more Black people in it. Okay, good job, Disney. However, (laughs) it made me so upset as a mother of a Black boy and a Black girl that within a very short period of time... Disney killed this man and turned him into this glowing green goo and then subjectly after that, switched him into the body of a cat and had a white woman voice his body. And that's where people got mad at me. That, oh, what's the big deal, but it's a cartoon. Nobody knows. It was it was a green goo. Yeah, but we know Tina Fey is a white woman and she was the voice of Jamie Foxx's Black character. And that has been done throughout history. White women have been controlling and manipulating and telling Black men what they can do when they can't do it For centuries Mm. and Disney should be more responsible because they they felt like well yeah we gave you a barber scene you didn't see that we gave you some soul food you didn't see that we had a we had some matriarchs you didn't see that oh yeah I saw it but I also saw you kill this man Mm. I also saw you do that and I and I know you did that in Princess and the Frog Mm. you turned our beautiful little princess into A slimy green frog. And she stays that way for the majority of the film. Mm -hmm. So I have I had a big problem with that. And and I've gotten and I'm still getting backlash. I mean, and I'm talking family and friends who are still having this come across their their timelines. Like, wait a minute, you said that? But don't you really know? <laughs> and I'm and I'm, <laughs> And it was and it was a beautiful story. It was a beautiful story. It could have been done with this man come stay, he could have been a ghost right. in character and just transparent. What was what have, what would have been wrong with that? They could have had people transparent and that would have worked equally well. But no, Disney likes killing black people. No way. That's 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 what I'm gonna say about that.
0: But the, but the but the one thing is, if we this is this is the great thing about being an English major, because you are able to make these analyses where they are needed and necessary. I complete I too being a student a student of history, and I don't think you can truly write even a, across any genre without being a student of history. You have to. So with everything you said, it's historically accurate, even from. You know, shameless plug for the uh, podcast 1619 by the remarkable and heroic Nicole uh, Hannah Hanna Jones for doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was, I think it's episode two that, that, that they actually talk about minstrelsy. Mm. What <laughs> what we see in the depiction of African American people, especially in animation, folds back on minstrelsy. And mm-hmm. I even made the point when I saw your particular video on TikTok of, go back as early as Dumbo. What are, what are oh. the crows? <laughs> the cr- the yep. crows are black. And I think one of, them, one of their, their names, I believe one of their names is Jim. What do they tell mm-hmm. Dumbo? Get this feather, if you hold on to this feather, then you can fly. Mm-hmm. So there is this glaring disparity of the depiction of black people in animation, there just is, and we can, you know, we can blame the source material. That's fine. We know that Princess and the Frog was a long time coming. That's great. You know, Jennifer Lewis is going to be great in whatever she in whatever she's in. But this is just a further testament to why black writers are needed, to why that Absolutely. cultural sensitivity is needed. That you cannot. Be the juggernaut that Disney Pixar is and be ignorant
2: of what you are doing mm-hmm.
0: you cannot
2: and, say, and that's why I appreciate um, Ava DuVernay mm-hmm. and having her as a writer director on these movies and films and documentaries where she is providing an authentic voice for our narratives And I think it is critical, especially now where everything is blackity black, 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 Mm -hmm. and people are now trying to come over to the dark side, (laughs) um, that we get more Ava DuVernay's in those writing rooms, telling the story the accurate way with our voices. You know, there's so many discrepancies another show which which i loved which i loved was friends but mm. friends which was in new york and there was how had, many seasons before um oof. what's his name had preach, a black girlfriend
0: preach it uh rock how had a, many rock, seasons ross right. and joey had, a, had black girls on the show it, took, right. it was almost the end of the show
2: Exactly. It's almost, it's, it's but they was- were in a coffee house. A coffee house in Manhattan and you telling me there was not one black person sitting in that? Come on. But the but the lynch. People- sex of the city. Same oh, thing, Sex of oh the city. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
2: Also New York based where the black people at?
0: We just we need you need to make that a shirt man. Where the black people at? Mm. You know ha- ha- mm-hmm. ha- hashtag, uh hashtag #fighting er- fighting erasure in media. You can have that. You have that one, says, I will I want five of them. I, I want five of them. But the, but but you draw an excellent point. This is why I do the work that I do, and I'm passionate about that because you you cannot. And again, I, this goes off of uh, what I heard Wal- Walter Mosley say. He said, "If you as you as a minority person are not in the are not in the literature are not in the literature, if you're not in the fiction, you don't exist." And if your characters don't, you know, if you don't exist, your characters can't exist. And when he said that portion, you know, the author of fifty-three books who who whom has made his living off, you know, strong black male, sometimes problematic characters, the fact that he said that, I'm like, you know what? Okay, yes, you know, the, you know, he he mm-hmm. gets he gets it, he understands it, and he understands why black writers are needed. So you know, for all the success of Soul, that's great. You know, Felicia Rashad was in it. You know, Angela Day, Angela Bassett was in it. This is great. This is marvelous. On the heels of Black this is this is all amazing. Yet, more needs to
2: be we done. We still got more work to do. More exactly,
0: work needs to be done. More work needs to be done. And there is a I actually did many. I actually did a miniseries last year about, uh, you know, the impact of hip hop and how hip hop is still poetry. It's still it's still poetry. It's still a ballad. It's still lyrics put to music. That's still poetry.
2: Mm-hmm. So you, you so you can't
0: you can't get around the fact that we as a people are artistic by nature. This is kind of, this is kind of what we do, and we understand now that we're you know we understand that America is, pap, is capitalist driven. They wash the blood off the money. They don't money ha, money has no particular elite allegiance allegiance It just only has scales and numbers attached to it. But the, my passion, mm-hmm. and I believe yours too, comes from, but where are the storytellers who look like me? Where are the storytellers yeah, who look yeah. like me? I did not think I would live long enough to see a Black princess in Disney. I did not believe, also, mm-hmm. I, w- I would live long enough to see a Black president or a Black vice president, for that matter. So the fact that, you know, mm-hmm. I you know, being born in 1981 and my mother being born 31 years before that, having lived, living in this current time, it's only, it's only a bigger, a bigger drive to continue to create, to continue to make space where there was no space, to be visible amongst the invisible, you know, and, you know, it also goes back to, I'm sure that you're familiar with this, the, the, uh, the Langston Hughes quote that says, you know, uh, Negroes docile, sweet and kind Beware the day they change their minds. So, so you know, you ha- we have to be cognizant as as black writers of the space and the space and the power and the authority that we carry when we go into places. You know, you can. It was it's the uh, activist and writer feminista Jones. She's amazing, who said that the the ideal activist is actually a black woman because she can speak on what it's like to be to be black. And also, what it is to be a woman. She can advocate in in any space. So imagine yeah. so, to attach writer to that. Oh, that means we're part of the Avengers now because we have all kinds of all
2: kinds of superpowers. <laughs> we have all kinds of superpowers.
0: So what do you what do you do in your classroom to conti- to continue the righteous good work of fighting erasure? Because I know that there are some things that quote unquote certain school districts want you to teach that they have to know about. So what do you do to you know, push in, you know, August Wilson, you know, to push in, you know, uh, Lucille Clifton, to push in Nikki Giovanni. And I'm going to put a pin there. We know, we understand that um, we're gracious and our grace to have Nikki Giovanni still alive. That's awesome. And we also know that we've, we've lost Tony and we've lost Maya. But we also know through that through that critical lens of analysis, we know that Maya was safer to teach than Nikki. Mm. Because Nikki Giovanni is like, I'm, uh, then the conversation she had with she, again, with the, with, the, with the um conversation she had, she had with James Baldwin in regards to relationships, she's like, you know, you go, you go to work and you, and you lie to these people and you come home and, and give me hell. Lie to me too.
2: <laughs> and,
0: uh, but we know that on some end, Maya was safer to teach because she was, you know, she, you could apply her across the board. Nikki's like, look, look, I'm here for us. I'm here. I'm here for us. So, what do you do right. in that righteous work of fighting erasure, even in even in the classroom, to introduce your students to whom you think and who you know they should read about, aside from aside from um, <clears throat> who they're who they're currently teaching now? I'm sure. I'm sure there's still uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne. I'm sure Shakespeare, and I'm sure every. I'm oh, sure yeah. all you know the oh, the, yeah. con, the colonized canon. Is always taught, but but mm-hmm. one of the things that I love about Dr. Wall is she said one of our one of your jobs as an English teacher is to decolonize the canon. This is a white woman that said this. Your job <laughs> is to decolonize the canon, and when she said that, I almost jumped up and did a Baptist girl lap around, the, around her classroom because mm-hmm, I'm like mm-hmm. I'm yeah. like she gets it, Jesus. <laughs> I was like she gets it, she gets it. So what so what is it that you do? to continue that work of uh, fighting erasure.
2: Um, I was lucky enough to have had as my prior uh, assistant principal, who was a white woman, who understood the necessity for black and brown voices in the classroom. And she always allowed me the freedom to say okay what what would you like to read what would you like to teach your students so I was the only teacher that was teaching Barack Obama's book I was the only teacher teaching uh, Carlos Ruiz Zafon I was the only teacher um during Black History Month not just doing, okay, here's that one lesson. No, we gonna we do this all month, okay? <laughs> and I'm going to give you extra credit. And I'm going to allow you to do some research. And I'm going to allow you to do a project. And I'm going to... So, it's important and I guess I was lucky in that way that had an assistant principal who trusted me and entrusted me mm-hmm. to do the work. Um... And there are there are times there are times when I know I'm supposed to be doing X Y Z, but I'm over here doing A B C. I I I I have been known to buck the system a little bit, just a little bit. Put some and, grease on it'll be fine. Put some grease on it. It'll, it'll be fine. Right. It'll, it'll just put some grease on. It's and, right. and and my students right, my students are happy for it. Number one. Um, Because obviously it's English. You you can't. I can't buck the system, but so Mm -hmm. much, because you know Shakespearean writing it it is important. The the Shakespeare and the Macbeths. It is important. You know, um, everyone teaches. uh, What's that that story with that little white boy? There's Um, so many. There are so. There really <laughs> are. There so really, there's, really there's so many. There's so many. Oh my goodness.
0: They which, which one the, the, what, the Great Gatsby. Catcher, oh, yeah. catcher in the Rye.
2: Catcher in the Rye. Oh, oh yeah. And I just had to do uh, the Great Gatsby. Um, that's so funny. I had. I'm doing that right now for my senior senior thesis. But I feel like, even though I push a little bit in my class, I am also the advisor for the Gateway Program at my school, which is a specialized program for high-achieving minority students. Ooh. In my program, oh, there's no whole <laughs> one. In my program, <laughs> I, I am pushing, I am pushing my, um, my students, my African-American, my Latino, my brown, my babies, to be their best selves at all times. At all times. My students stress for success because I am tired of my staff members and, and other people when they see brown children, they assume that they're stupid Ooh. or that they're in gangs. Mm. And I've been doing my program for 10 years in the same school for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I still have colleagues when it is time for recommendations that will send me the bottom of the barrel. Well, I just thought you were taking all black kids. Mm. No, I'm taking kids with 85 averages or higher. Why are you sending me a truant? Ooh. Why are you sending me a truant? Um, so I have, in both the classroom and my program, a very high level of expectations. Um, a few years ago, I had a student create a poster, and it still hangs in my classroom, even though my classroom was closed. I only accept the exceptional when the exceptional are exceptional. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and it's opposed to that hangs in my room. I don't accept mediocrity and it offends me. And this is what so many people have seen in my TikToks and, and they try to tone police me that I'm this mean teacher and I'm, um, I'm so intimidating and I'm so aggressive. And I'm like, what do you expect me to do as an educator? Do we not want high functioning human beings when they graduate? Like what what exactly do you think goes on in the classroom? <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not teaching tomorrow's idiots. I'm not teaching tomorrow's ignorant. My job is to make sure that when they leave my room, They're better for it, that they will be decent human beings, number one. But number two, they will have something positive to add to this society, whether they're going to be doctors, lawyers, writers, journalists, um, uh, you name it, engineers. This year, I had my first female engineer going to school on a full scholarship. I had the first Black valedictorian in my school was through my program mm. so i don't play <laughs> and and it and it bothers me when people are just well, why are why do you force your students to participate well, why shouldn't i <laughs> why, why shouldn't i speaking and writing is part of any right. class, <laughs> whether it's math or science, you're doing equations, you still gotta raise your hand and answer. We need to know that the knowledge that we are important to you, that you're getting <laughs> you're grasping, you're understanding, you're taking it all in, and are able to at the very least regurgitate it back to at me. the very least. And at the very least. <laughs> and and that's why even though, yes, here's this curriculum, yes, you have to do this. I make it my job to incorporate creative writing and poetry because, and especially now during quarantine and COVID and anxiety and depression and death, that these kids need an Mm -hmm. outlet. They need to get those feelings, those thoughts, those insecurities, out get it out on paper um it's it's so important and with my participation it's like I want to hear you I'm I'm happy when I hear you I'm I'm that teacher that that is singing and dancing (laughs) and jumping up and down and and complimenting and encouraging when I find out a kid has a talent oh forget it (laughs) forget it if you if you expose your gift in my class, oh, are oh, we doing something about it? Are you an artist? Okay, um, so-and-so, I'm gonna need you to take her upstairs to the third floor so you can introduce her to Mrs. So-and-so who has an art program. Oh, wait, you love writing and research? Okay, I'm gonna need you to go downstairs in the basement and go see uh, Mr. So-and-so and, and get her onto the, the student yearbook. Like, teachers... We have to encourage our students with what they are gifted at, not just what their parents want them to be gifted at, which can always be two totally exactly. different things. Um and it's it's always shocking to me. Uh I've had and I have a, a handful of not even a handful, my, my babies are they stay my babies forever. But some of my graduates, and they remind me of this. Every time they come to visit, they share this story with their undergrad siblings yes. <laughs> in the program. And there was this time where I'm in the room, and it was a couple of my, my girls and my boys. And these were the upper echelon of my program i'm talking about my president my vice president they all had gpas over 97 mm-hmm. right the highest one in the room had like a 102 point gpa i'm sitting at my desk and they're just talking amongst themselves and they started talking about well i don't they were talking about college cuz they were they were seniors mm-hmm. and i don't know if i can get into to harvard i don't know if i mm-hmm. should apply to Yale I don't think I'm good enough for Princeton and I'm listening and when they retell it they said they said miss this was the first time you cursed oh my. us and I was enraged I was crying and I was cursing and I was angry and I was like what is going on here I said and I started listing all of their achievements and, and I mean, individually, you've done this internship and you have this uh, award for, for attending this, you've done this, you've met this, you have this GPA, you have this, what do you mean? You don't think you should even apply? What? My heart hurt so badly. They had no confidence in themselves. And then I took it as an affront to me because I'm like, what am I doing wrong? You guys are in this program as high achieving students and you still don't think you're good enough? That is what's missing in our education system. Not just stats and assessments and tests and scores. Students need to feel valued exactly. and heard and accepted. Ooh. I get I get I get I get choked up every time I think about that that time. But
0: from what you just said from the and we'll get back to the to the program that you that you created here in a minute. But this is why this is what um, I call the righteous work of writing or the justice of writing the justice of writing says that I have the authority to tell my story wherever I am. No matter who I am, I have the authority to say, this happened to me, I feel this way, I have have control of my thought to the point that I can express it on paper. The one thing that I find even now raising Black children in, in public school is that there is this steady drumbeat of we, do, we don't need anybody to rock the boat. We need you we need just to do, do this, do this, dust and so, and keep going. That's all we need. And the fact that you as an educator, hmm. not just a teacher, because sometimes they're t- two totally different things, but you, you as an educator have taken it upon yourself, which is the earmark of a great teacher to say, look, this is the issue. This is a problem. This is how I could fix that, you know. Much like you know, uh, the almost sainted Jane Elliott, she came up with, she came up with mm-hmm. this brown-eyed blue-eyed experiment after the assassination of Martin King mm-hmm. Jr. and she's been doing this work forever. Jane is in her 80s now, mm-hmm. with no sign of stopping. Whom mm-hmm. has taken? Whom mm-hmm. has taken <laughs> this this experiment with this group of white children to show them? the insanity that is racism and taking that and applied it to whomever will let her in the door. The great thing about what you are doing is it is no different than what you would find in any other quote unquote elite school where they gear their, gear their, student, their student population towards success at a collegiate level. Everything that you are asking them to do is no different than a professor would ask them to do. And to give and to have them have a safe harbor of a of an educator who says, Look, you know what? I'm only going to take this is the criteria. I need X, Y, and Z. And because you are that plugged into your student to your student body to say, okay, you know what? I know, um, I know Alicia is really good at creative writing. Okay, you know what? Y'all wanna do a play. We we're not we're gonna do we're not gonna do Shakespeare. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do King Hadley the second. And we're gonna have, you know, Ramon, who can draw, we're going to have him do the backdrop. We're we're going to we're going to demonstrate that all these children here are not just going to pass through; they're going to get something as they go. They're going to get something as they go, and that is essential for any minority child in public school to know that you are seen, you are heard, and you are validated. And one of the best ways to do that is to give them control over over their own story. And the fact that you know the you know avalanche of white supremacy still and still tries to nip at the fringes of of what they dream of doing is telling which is why it is essential that we continue to fight racism the fact that you know you have you know a group of children who have said i i want to be in this program with miss and this is great and you know this is this is dope she speaks to my visions and dreams and you know, I'm excited when I come to class. I've learned, I've learned so much, and then to be confronted with, I still don't feel good enough. There, there is something that ha- that continually has to be deconstructed. And I, my fervent belief is that the way those things are deconstructed is if that you write them down, if they're not floating around in your head, that you you can actually see what is bothering you. Mm-hmm. You can physically see. What is bothering you? Like, why do you think you can't apply to Harvard? Mm-hmm. Why do you think you can't go to Yale? Mm-hmm. You know, aside from money, because that'll all that'll always be an issue. But why? You
2: oh, know, well, so yeah. why,
0: you know. So <laughs> why don't you think that you can't that you can that you can't go? So again, I, my fervent mm-hmm. belief has always been: if you can get it, if you can get it out of your head, that then we can tackle it. If you If it can stop messing with you in the corners of your mind, you know drop, trying to you know kick out kick out the chair of your ambition from under you, then we can confront it. So what actually made you start this particular program? Because me as a, a kid that again grew up in a public school here in St. Louis, I've dreamt of programs like that. So even hearing even hearing you say, <laughs> That you constructed this and the and the expectations and the criteria and you're only taking the elite you only take the elite who again who are taking this thing seriously because you're not going to pour out to people who don't want it because that takes away from everybody else.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So the fact mm-hmm. that and again I was eight years old when my uh, third grade teacher Miss Constance Kelly, whom I've referenced on the show more than once, told me quote You're good at this. You should keep writing. I was eight. And that less than ten words changed my entire childhood, because someone saw wow. that I was good at something, and validated that. Mm-hmm. And from her, again, first I think first second year teacher, the fact that she saw it, spoke to it, and propelled that that authority as it were propelled me forward. So, what made you? Passionate about creating such a program because I think this needs to this needs to be definitely definitely implemented Mm -hmm. other places because it because it's it's needed especially Mm -hmm. especially now especially now you know not not every uh, and I'm I'm all for you know black women writers and I'm I'm always going to stand us but there's always going to be a need for black male writers too because that's a perspective I as a black woman Mm -hmm. cannot write from I can write from it from the outside looking in. But I, because I, I am not a Black man, I cannot write as much. So what actually, what actually was the catalyst for creating such a program? And how, and how do you think, okay. and how do you think uh, <laughs> other teachers and educators can implement something, something similar?
2: Well, that same assistant principal, Bonnie Messina, I used to call her Mama <laughs> Bon, um, when so, gate, the Gateway Program was a pre-existing program. It's housed the, not necessarily the headquarters, but our our home is City mm-hmm. College, um, of New York. And there are several Gateway schools within Manhattan, Queens, Brooklyn, and Staten Island. And I think we've got one on Long Island. But the way it came to me, and this is how Bonnie became Mama Bon. I was on uh, maternity, I was on bed rest with my son in 2008. And while home on bed rest, she called me one day and she was like, listen, (laughs) she was brass like that. Listen, how would you feel, being that you're having a son, how would you feel if there was a program that made sure that he had every opportunity to get to top tier universities in the future. I was like, that sounds great. She was like, wonderful, when you get off of bed, when you get, uh, after you pop him out, uh, I have this program, I'm gonna <laughs> need you to go <laughs> And And she said the reason why she brought this program to our school was as the assistant principal, she was walking around doing her observations and she noticed that in the advanced placement classes in our English department, there were no brown boys. Wow. Wow. No one. And she said, there's something wrong with that. She was like, because I know we have, I know we have smart black boys. And that's what it started. The program started. My first class, quote unquote, class of gateway students was just one class of 34 brown and uh, black and uh, Hispanic boys that was it first class September 2009 Um, that was it it was a small class of just boys Mm. because statistically boys needed more help in English while girls needed more help in science so the following year we had one all-girl class in chemistry Fast forward 10 years later, I now have in the program that in my school, I run myself, (laughs) (laughs) I have 250 and that's down from 300 because of COVID, um, 250 students in the program in addition to the four classes that I teach. I I need that to sink in, okay? 250 additional students in this program that I run at my school, plus my four English classes that I teach. So it was extraordinarily important to me because all I could think, and I still think all these years is, I hope that something like this comes to my son's school. I hope That someone out there is going to be so impassioned to want to see my son succeed. And when I meet with the parents in my program during the parent orientation, one of the first things I say to the parents are, your kids are no longer your kids, (laughs) they're mine. I am going to be treating them as if they came out of my womb. So don't be surprised if they come home and say, "Uh, Miss EJ yelled at me today. Don't be surprised if they tell you Miss EJ hugged and cried with me today. Don't be surprised if they tell you Miss EJ said <laughs> you got to let me, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Um, because that's another fear that I found working in this program, that a lot of the times it's not the students who don't believe in themselves, it's their parents. Yep. It's their parents that hold them back. It's their parents that say, "No, you can't. You can't go to that in, internship because that that means you have to get on the train. Your child lives in New York. You or haven't have been on, been on one stop already, <laughs> right? You don't think as a high school student your kid ain't snuck on a train or a bus when mm-hmm. you weren't looking? Like, stop it. Um, so I have had to check a lot of parents, like. Your son is amazing. And yeah, he plays basketball, Ooh. but I'm not trying to help Ooh. him get no basketball scholarships.
1: Ma'am. Just ma'am so that, you know.
2: Ma'am. Your son, his he's the the pre- title pre- is student athlete. Pre- preach, it, preach,
0: it, student. preach It Ma'am. Preach it. Preach it, ma'am. Preach it. Preach it. Preach it.
2: Like you know, that's great. Your 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 daughter is a track star. Wonderful. We're gonna use that track to get her a scholarship to Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Columbia, NYU, um, but they're students first. And that, and I say that is my job. Now, I don't get paid extra for this program. There, there, there's no, you know, and I've had to check my colleagues for that because it's like, oh, well, you didn't leave. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. You do it all of this for free, pretty much. And I'm doing it when I get that kid that walks into the room, eyes brimming with tears like this. Yes. Guess what? I have not just one college acceptance. My problem now is I don't know which college to go to because I got accepted to all of them and they're all giving me money. So now what? Yes. That, That's a nerd problem. And
0: I love
2: nerd problems. I love great. Nerd, nerd problems. problems or,
0: or, <laughs> I need more nerd problems. I really. I stand nerd prop. I
2: I, yeah. I have normalized nerds. Thank you. Yeah. I have normalized nerds because it used to be such a taboo, and especially mm. with my Come black on. boys. Like, and I've written, I've written po- I've written a poem about it. Like, how are you walking around with a ninety nine point nine nine GPA? You're in all AP and honors classes but you got your pants hanging off your behind, you saying and this and that when you're with your boys, but when you're in the classroom, you're a totally different person. I need you to get rid of that other alter ego because you're doing it for your friends and you're doing it for the hood and you're doing it for your block. Um, them boys on your block and in your hood, they're they not that. writing your college application. No. They, they're, the they're not the ones that are gonna be paying for you to go to school. That was the hardest with these boys who were so yeah. worried about their reputation that they rather act stupid than show the world how smart they are. And
0: that goes to what society expects of young Black men. That they are, mm-hmm. they, you know, these caricatures as it were, you know, for the hood, the block, and and you know, for you know, squad and whatever else, that you have mm-hmm. to have this representative in place when you leave class, which only perpetuates why toxic masculinity is trash. Which you know, that that the thing that we've seen on social media mm-hmm. now for the last what three or four days is how you know, and the, the craziest part about this is it's black men doing this. Like you have men, you have black men, the, a, a select number of them a select class of black men whom have seen how russell wilson loves his wife unapologetically out loud thinks she is a goddess in 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 brown flesh would do anything in the world for her and call him a simp, and call him a lame because you know you mm-hmm. how dare he be vulnerable but, the, but here we go again we society has taught black this is just a spoonful of my opinion Society has taught black men that in order to be respected, you have to continue to have this superimposed masculinity on you. You are not allowed your complete personhood Mm -hmm. and they think that's fine. And then when they enter, you know, uh, academic relationships and pursue their education or take that same energy as the kids say and try try to pursue a romantic relationship and then find out they're lacking and then they want to be mad. No, you you are not allowed to bring that kind of toxic energy into this space because it doesn't serve you. You know, yeah, you can you can know <clears throat> you can know every song that uh, the Migos have, but the Migos are not gonna help. Her. The Migos were not here in this classroom when you were crying about how about you wanting more nerd problems. The Migos, you know, knowing the lyrics to Bad and Booze are, are not going yeah. to help you when you have to sit in these collegiate interviews. You know, knowing, knowing every right. every song that the that, telling my age, knowing every song that the that the Wu Tang did, and knowing and knowing the this, this discography of of RZA is not going to help you when you have to, when you have <laughs> to come in here and tell me why mm-hmm. you didn't do do the assigned reading for for this group discussion. Where is your ball with paperwork? How come you didn't right. do this? So it's it's these right it's these you know, it, these uh, consistently rivaling expectations. But one of the ways by which, again, which is why what you're doing is so powerful, it's breaking that, it's having the authority to break that up, to say, you are more than this. Why are mm-hmm. you okay being less than this? But then it goes on, you know, the, the work and it dovetails and parallels into the work that, you know, Unique Jones is doing with the Because of Them We Can movement. You know, children cannot, and that's children cannot be what they mm-hmm. cannot see. So, the, so the fact that you all, right. if all right. you see around you are people who are scuffling and happy to be struggling, happy, happy not to have anything, and the one mm-hmm. thing I keep saying is, uh, in the wardrobe I, I'm beating here, is when did it become okay to be stupid? like w- like when did it when did it become all right right i'm like did, i'm like did i'm like, clearly i missed that because i had parents you know i had parents that um, thank you were diligent about it, about our education i was you know i was reading by 4 because my father who grew up who grew up with almost functionally illiterate parents was determined that his children were not going to be illiterate you know i you know here i go telling my age again but i remember being uh, in Missouri in our library system you in order to get a library card you had to be able to write your name and then so you had you know, get that and mm-hmm. you know the big yellow piece of paper and you know write you know first name last name you know and I remember my mother beaming when she, when we got library cards and again now as a mother now you know being embroiled in you know the the quagmire sometimes that is public education for black children you have to we have to understand that it's deeper than it's deeper than reading. But without reading, nothing else, nothing else can nothing else can be birthed. We can't break these curses unless you understand that we are demanding, not even asking more. We are demanding that you become more mm-hmm. than what you see. We are asked we are demanding that you look at the world around you and you make the internal decision to say, you know what, I want more than this. I want more than this, and it's and it's okay exactly. to want more. But then, you know, as my mom would say, you know, this
2: and and not even and not even want more. Yes, I deserve yes. more. I'm trying to get my students to switch that. Yes, I deserve. Which goes back more. into
0: children will cannot be what they cannot see. You are not doing anything else that any other impassioned educator mm-hmm. would want for their students. I'm get you are getting you are in effect getting them ready for the collegiate level and every assault on their character that could come up. And it is amazing, it mm-hmm. is amazing to even yeah. know that such programs exist. And uh there was a young woman on the show, her name is Leslie Crawford, and Leslie Crawford is doing uh when the When Children Write program in Baltimore. And when I found her through, you know, the vehicle of Instagram, and then when she was on the show, she was saying how the, when children are able to write down what they want and tell their own story, that's powerful. And she told them that you know she she actually takes them step by step. These are like middle these are not not even middle school kids. These are like <clears throat> kindergartners through I think through like sixth or seventh grade at the Mac. She's taking them through the process of writing a book, of writing a book, and actually getting you know illustrating it and getting it published and. Showing them how, and showing them how uh, incredible it is that they can actually do that thing. So, the work, the again, the justice of writing is being able to tell tell your story without filter, and without you know, to, as we, as a you know, greater mm-hmm. society says, tone policing. Because anytime, anytime, you know, to quote Doctor Huey P. Newton, anytime the black man dares to change the slave image, it will scare white people. And there is mm-hmm. there has to be a challenge to these menstrual icons, this iconography of black people can only be this because it makes us comfortable. If we can just go ahead and be free and say that. Greater white society is mm-hmm. comfortable with black people only being depicted as, stereoty- as stereotypes. That, that, that's fine with them. You know, just like, as you said before, you know, there are no black people in Sex and the City. How? And New York has how many people? You know how you know in the and the linchpin with right. you know friends is we and Queen Latifah spoke about this. I believe she was on. Uh, I think she was on uh, the Late Late Show with James Col- with, with uh, James Colburn and she said that uh, Friends was a was a ripoff of Living Single. Every every black person knew that. Every black person yes. knew that. Oh, we all knew yes. that. Like they trying yes. to be like. Don't nobody watch Friends. We watch Living Single. Yep. Cause that's that's the that's the exact same show, and and uh, right. Queen of People said that the producers of that show wanted to rip re- wanted to replicate that, and replicate its success. Mm-hmm. And again, the the one thing that I you know again am so passionate about is Black writers matter. We matter no matter where we are. Where we matter, and the one of the reasons why again. This particular space exists is uh, on the heels of the Christopher Priest quote, of and he said a real writer can write anything. You you can write a real writer can write anything. You can put them mm-hmm. anywhere and they can write anything, whether it be comics, whether it be poetry, whether it be novels, whether it be essays, whether <laughs> it be think pieces, whether it be reflections, textbooks. A real writer.
2: Girl, I am in I am in the class right now writing. A real writer can write anything. Okay.
0: And (laughs) and as we and as we turn a little bit toward what you blue Poetress, are actually cooking up right now, because I know that you said in the beginning of the podcast that you're actually now pursuing the MFA. With everything that you're doing, how do you make time to write for yourself?
2: oh how do i okay so (laughs) up until well i have to write every week because i'm in class so i am taking two classes plus my thesis with my committee chair Mm -hmm. um for the past year so (laughs) i have to do my homework okay i have to that's 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 forced writing so i have to um but at the end of 2020, my cousin introduced mm. me to Clubhouse. And I am in love. I don't think I've ever been, aside from my my, mm-hmm. my, my love-hate relationship with TikTok, I am in complete enamorment with Clubhouse because... The rooms that you see in Clubhouse are based on your interests. So my Clubhouse is full of poetry rooms. And my first week, my first week on Clubhouse, I wrote four new poems just because. And that fire in my belly, as they call it. Is, is back I hadn't touched my novel in a year I started working back on my novel um, and now I have my own room on Clubhouse it was approved I think I'm a month and a half in now oxtail and champagne when pens speak yes every Tuesday at 7 show, p.m. Eastern which is standard time. in the show notes. Um,
0: always in the show notes and
2: amen And so now that I have my own clubhouse and I have poets come on and every week we give ourselves a theme and we write and it forces us now, but happily, like this is happy writing. So now I am happily writing poetry again. I, I blew my committee chair away because I had sent her my thesis at the end of the semester in December and had, I don't know, 30 poems Ooh. for my thesis. And when we came back this February, I was like, um so <laughs> an like to a, say i
0: just I just came with a thought. I got a whole chat book just yeah so so here. <laughs> <laughs>
2: She was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. She was
0: like, You had enough. I was like, it's never that's what, enough. That's what, what Bill Hook, <laughs> Hook said. No oh, woman has ever written enough. So that's what Bill Hook
2: said. Exactly. That's it. And I I I'm excited. So now I'm forced for Clubhouse mm-hmm. to write by Tuesday evening something. Plus now, you know, I'm back in class. So, you know, I'm writing, I'm writing, I'm writing. But just the joy, because COVID stole my joy. You know, the pandemic just wiped it away. You know, the anxiety, the depression. I have been super transparent with, you know, my friends, my family, my followers, you know, my students, everybody knows I struggle. I'm human. This is what I do. So, um, tick was a part of that process for me. So when the world went to, you know, AT Double Hockey Sticks last um, February, I started TikToking as a way to cope. That's what it was. It was a, a coping mechanism. That's that's how it started. I'm going to send some jokes and some, some comedy to my students and my colleagues and my friends and my family and And that's how that started for me, and it's now obviously ballooned into something else, but that joy is back to, to create you know whether it's writing or my stories or my open mic or my spoken word or my skits you know there there is something to finding something to share with the body and mm-hmm. whoever the body is, whether I, I, I always, the forefront of my mind for everything that I put out is, is this going to inspire someone? Is this going to educate someone? Is this going to make someone smile? Could this possibly save someone's life? Um, and that's what I do. And I'm very, very excited to finally, well, not even finally, because I think, Uh, let me rephrase that I think as writers we have you know ebbs and 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 waves when it comes to our writing there are times where we're in it we love it we're engaged we're cranking out poem and essay and story back to back to back to back to back and then life gets in the way and we put it on the back burner while we try and and regulate everything else in our lives um and I know, and I've had many people reach out to me via you know the different social media platforms, like well what what advice do you have? What would you say to a writer that's stuck? That's okay. walk away from it, take some space, yeah, come back to it when you're ready because there's there's nothing harder as a writer when you're when you're trying to force something you know. It's it's I, I, and 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 I know and I'm sure you've had this happen to you. A family member will call. Oh, and I have a West Indian family. Oh, so and so died. Oh my you think God! You oh, oh for me? Oh Lord! Oh, who oh, so and so is? Okay, well, well, I could, I could, I could tell you a little something. You think you gonna put oh
0: that my. in a poem for me? It's, it's, and that, is, the eulogy, and, but, that oh. and that is that is. And that is it. I can I can only imagine what you what you have had to you know come up with over the years. But I remember the, the what my what my mother you know the the uh the persistent Southern Belle. What she will do is well you know uh, Jen Rice. Ask her what? Hold on what? Or or when or when times get mm-hmm, really difficult mm-hmm. and you don't write you know as a <clears throat> as the uh, Negro poet laureate. Uh, Audrey Lord says, you know, there there are times where, you know, writers when as a writer you're not writing. And that's heartbreaking because writing is like breathing. Audrey Lord, you know, Audrey Lord said that. And then when I read <laughs> that, I cried because at that time there was such a block that I, I couldn't I couldn't get back to it. But what my mother, who taught me to love Langston Hughes, she will all, she would always ask me no matter what is going on even though she thinks that you know me going to nursing school and finishing that that's the practical thing she will consistently ask me but are you writing but are you writing and then when my grandmother died about seven years ago she asked me now i i you know my my father's uh my father's since passed and my my grandparents my grand, my paternal grandfather died when i was 3 so i have very vague memories of him and i have no memories of my of my paternal grandmother who died before i was even born so the only grandparent i had was my maternal grandmother so you know this pillar in my life is gone and oh jen can you write something for the funeral huh i'm trying to fi- like i'm trying to figure out where i am <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but you want me to do what See, but but they're but they're in mm-hmm. You know, and you know, to you know, to uh, quote the word real quick from the from the miry clay. You know, even from even from places where you, as a creative person, as a writer, are broken, people still people still have enough wherewithal to say, "Hey, you know what?" But but uh, blue poetry can get you some. What Jen can get you some. Hold on. What? But I'm grieving. Mm-hmm. But I'm but my heart is broken. I don't know. Yep. You want me to? Yep. I can't be I can't be deep right now because I'm angry.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I can't. I can't be deep right now because I'm sad, but yeah. even in that.
2: And that's and that's at school too because at school, Ooh. same thing. Black Ooh, History Lord. Month rolls around, so Miss EJ, we we're gonna have an assembly. Oh, you think you could like you, like, think you could like, write something? Like, for like us? you know what? How, how <laughs>
0: instead of writing something, how about we stop doing the trusted four, and get some more folks stop Stop doing carji with the Martin <laughs> Luther King, Mal- Malcolm X, and Harry Tubman. How about we stop doing that? Stop doing, stop doing the trusted four because that trusted four doesn't really change a whole lot. It doesn't really change a whole lot. And even in the changing, in that as we as we uh, as we begin to shape the shape the uh, the end of the end of our time together, one of the things that made me love writing was a little Spitfire known as uh, Ida Bell Wells Barnett. I came. I came to the knowledge of this woman when I was eight because 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 every other picture I'd seen of you know women in black hair they were kind of like pretty looking kind of you know kind of you know kind of stoic and kind of refined they they looked like they were coming out of something that they had conquered it. But the picture that I that I got of Ida was I'm in this, <laughs> like I'm in this, and who and who and who finna check me or stop right. me? So it and it was her and her life that I'm like, I could probably, I could do this. I could do this. But even as you just mentioned, you know, you having this West Indian culture on top of, you know, the experience of that West Indian culture in the Americas, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, if people really search out the transatlantic slave trade, they'll, they'll really understand how, how integral the West Indies are, but you know, that's the mm-hmm. other conversation. <laughs> that's another other conversation. But the one thing that you, the one thing that I want to really piggyback on what you said is, when your family knows that you can write, they'll they'll think they can summon that like a yes! in a bottle. Like can't, like can't, you, 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 they'll summon that like can't, like you know, uh, blue poetess. She, she can get it for you. But how come? Like, do you not see the? Do you not see me uh, with the infinity gauntlet every day doing <laughs> this? But like, yeah, you can write this though. But you can write this though. Do you not think? I'm like I need the reality stone because I because I don't think you cats get it because I'm over here doing x. Ex- I'm over here being a superpower all by myself, but you want me to do what? I guess. And then, and then you, and then you get indignant, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You know, my cycle is you, you get indignant, like, I ca- how dare you? And then you would be like, well, you know, I could probably pick up some. Ain't gonna take long. <laughs> <laughs> I, could- I, could probably look over that. That ain't gonna take long. That's fine. You know, you, you come, you come out of that because, again, the joy of it, the purpose of it, the gift of it, the weight. Of it even is outweighed and is louder than the internal dialogue that says, "You know, I just can't right now," because it's it's still an outlet. And the fact that you've even found Clubhouse, and I will—I personally, is saying this on air—I will join Clubhouse because Blue Putris is on <laughs> is on Clubhouse, so I, I I will go and follow because she's on it. Only continues what Roxanne Gay said and she said this I believe it was on a, on uh, the Luminary podcast she said that if we as black writers don't encourage and nurture one another who else will amen <laughs> amen who, who, who else will who else will have the wherewithal to say the AAVE is is valid as Amy Tan says you know your Englishes are still valid mm-hmm. that we still know that code switching still exists but in literature you don't have to code switch you know, as uh you know, James Baldwin told uh Toni Morrison, you know, kick the imaginary white man off your shoulder. Kick it kick him off your shoulder. And as she and as she said uh in an interview, you know, without she she was writing without the white gaze in this place. And then the uh the this British interviewer asked Toni Morrison, why didn't she ask why didn't she write why did she not write more white characters? And Toni said <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Tony, quote: You don't can't understand how powerfully racist that question is, can you? <laughs> and and from and from that, because it, she said, becomes it, it comes from always having to be in the center, which which goes back to and you being in academia and you know teaching and now you know springboarding into a, into a, a more elite level at, as far as education is concerned with the dream of teaching at the collegiate level. There's still this master narrative that that runs and permeates all through American literature. That still will, that still will pray that still will praise Hemingway over Zora Neale Hurston. Mm-hmm. That will continually praise Robert Robert Frost over Lucille Clifton. That we are still we are still now a hundred some hundred fifty some odd years past enslavement still finding work from black writers mm-hmm. still find still finding work still finding out that there were still narratives outside outside of outside of what we of what we are taught to just accept and know that there is still so much work to be done and there still needs to be communities by which that work can be revealed can be resourced and can be celebrated. You know there were there were more. I'm sh- and this is just a spoonful of my opinion. Also, there is still more work to be discovered. I believe passed before Phyllis Wheatley. We know that quote unquote, according to history, she's the first African she's the first African American poet poet. She was from Senegal. She had she had uh, owners that taught that you know taught her to read and write. And taught her and taught her uh, other languages. That's great, but I'm sure there were other people other than Phyllis.
2: Right.
0: I'm sure there I'm sure and positive there are other people aside from aside from Paul Lawrence Dunbar. And there was a it came through my Facebook memories um this past week about uh the, the children that were in Atlanta who did the, the, the uh they did their Black History Month program with little blackface masks reciting Paul Lawrence Dunbar's mask. And I'm thinking to myself, so no so no black teacher was there to to supervise this? That y'all thought this was okay? Hmm. Which goes which goes again into why it is essential that we as black writers continue to, to continue to record the black experience. Hmm. That we still have to speak out when erasure happens or when or when these casual microaggressions happen. Or when we see uh, black children who are gifted in these particular subjects, that those talents have to be spoken to as well. It's great that you can play basketball. That's awesome. But when you get to do, make sure you can do something else because uh, you only get two ACL. You only You don't have two knees. Right. Make sure that you know when, as you know, when you run, when, as you're running track for uh, UNC Chapel Hill, make sure that you can do something else other than that. Because that's the, that's the vehicle by which that will get you there. But what will keep you there is this degree. Because you can always run. You can always do that. That's fine. They're going, they're going to use that to their advantage for the reputation of the school. But what you need to do is maximize all opportunities once you're there. And as we, be, and as we begin to wrap this up, Blue Poetry, because I invite you back to this space because this has been amazing.
2: <laughs> This yes, has been thank confirming you so this, much. This, this,
0: this this has been as uh the old women say this has been church
2: yes hallelujah this, amen. This church.
0: and <laughs> this and uh, and again, I invite you back to this space and as, as we end i
2: I would love to come back <laughs>
0: yay, and the one thing that i as an educator, as a writer, as a content creator, as a disruptor, as a mentor as a writer as a poet who one whom is in this both student and mentorship capacity with the resurgence of, with the resurgence of all things written and created by black people how do you think this moment can be capitalized
2: <laughs> how can how can it be capitalized well shameless plug have you seen my website bluebottlecreatives.com <laughs> um yes yes um support each other um my my husband and i are on a huge kick right now of trying every time we want to do something okay is there a, a black owner that's doing that is there a black business that does that is there you know who who can we reach out is the, start doing the research and supporting each other's businesses because That's what everybody else does. Mm. We are one of the few people that don't actively support one another. And again, that's because of colorism and racism and and slavery and and division that has been rammed down our throats for centuries. But now with this this wonderful uh, Black by popular demand that's going on, um we need to be there for each other we we need to support black businesses and black owners and show our love not just not just with our wallets with our mouthpieces with our um social media it is it costs you nothing to like and share somebody's post that is doing something positive for the culture it costs you nothing and that is that is one of my biggest gripes when it comes to, um, and I'm and I'm grateful. I am grateful for all ninety three thousand of my followers, but how is it that a, a white or non person of color can create almost the exact same thing Ooh, that I do, and it and it goes viral, millions of views and likes, but I know. And this it's the confidence for me, I know <laughs> I did the, I did the thing, yeah, right, I know I did the thing, I know I put in work, but I can't get that same level of energy, mm-hmm. but when a white person says it, somehow it's an easier pill to swallow and enjoy and and that needs to stop. That needs to stop. We need to be there for each other because, like you said, like Roxanne Gay said, if we don't do it, you think they're going to do it for us? No.
0: <laughs> no. No. And as we clearly close church on, on on today, again, it has been amazing to speak to you. This is, I am graced to have Thank had you. the you
2: pleasure on, was all mine on the Thank platform.
0: You. It has been enriching, it has been uh, motivating, it has been. Be, uh, reigniting to mm-hmm. in, to continue on this righteous work of writing, in this justice of writing, in this in this space of having to confront two systems on a daily basis, not just racism and not just not just racism, but erasure as well, because that's that's its light skinned cousins, along along with mm-hmm. colorism and massage Noir. We we all know that. So it is essential that Black writers continue to show up and show out. Continue to do that. Right. As I as I say on this particular platform, on Beyonce's internet all the time. Start the blog. Start journaling. <laughs> start. Yeah. Do n- do not be dismayed by what the world outside will tell you as it relates to your talent, your skill, and your ability. You know, and as uh you know the. The celebrating of Jordan Peele continues. He says that the one of the reasons why he writes, you know, uh, black protags in his horror movies or in his uh, his social his social thrillers is, you know, as we spoke about before, there we've seen the white male the white female protag in horror movies. We've seen that. We've seen mm-hmm. we've seen this uh, drum this consistent drumbeat of what the master narrative tells us. Can only be seen can only be seen in, in film. We've seen that, you know. And as crazy as it is, it's in only uh, a few short years. It will be almost a hundred years since Hattie McDaniel won uh, best supporting actress the best supporting actress Oscar for Gone with the Wind. And what does
2: she play? A mammy. That's right. It's, and we we can go down the line of Oscar winners, right. uh, Halle Berry, mm-hmm. um, Denzel Washington, all their first ones for what? Okay. <laughs> ooh, ooh,
0: that that will be a mm. part two, to, a part two to this conversation, clearly. But yes, but, but, but the one, <laughs> but the one thing that is that needs to be continually said, and I believe that we've done a lot of that here, is Black Lives Still Matter. We are still present all day, every day. We will not be erased. We are not here for your comfort. We do not mammy. <laughs> mm. we, we will not No, mammy. we do not. And we will not be tone police. Because anytime that black women stand up and say anything, oh, you know, she's in- she's intimidating. No, you know what that sounds like? Power. And you don't like that. So we, mm-hmm. so we, So since you don't like what I say, watch how I write it down. Ooh, that's another that's another t-shirt. That's another t-shirt slogan, ma'am. You go ahead and have that. I need five of those too. Yeah. You may not like you may not like what I say, but watch how I write it down. Yes, I need five of those too. I need five of those too. Yes, this is good. Hold
2: man. on, hold on, hold on. Let me write that down. You
0: may <laughs> you may not like what I say, nah. but watch how I write it down. This is amazing. Hmm, this is I like this,
2: that. This is
0: amazing. But I thank you for your time, your love, your your imparting, your wisdom, your for all for you being the English teacher that I wish I had, how about that? The English teacher that, that I, oh, wish, I wish that I had. So with that, Thank you. so with that blue poetry, I wish you nothing but God's best. No writer's block. <laughs> I wish you.
2: I wish you increase, blessings to I wish you. you.
0: increased blessings to Clubhouse. Through, and we're even going to speak this novel. We gonna we gonna speak, we gonna speak the yes. gonna, gonna speak the novel the chapbook the anything else that you anything else that you need be at, be at, be at your be at your ready disposal because even the psalmist said that, that he, I have the pen of a ready writer so with that I bid you I bid you farewell and I thank you thank you thank you, you are more than welcome to come back
2: thank you and I appreciate you as well Bye. Bye.
0: And as we begin to wrap up this particular podcast, it would not be fitting to have the show end without Blue Poetress contributing to the canon that is now known as the Sin for a Poet segment. For this particular work, she is doing, again, her own original work called Black Girl Writer's Block. I ask that you keep your chair in an upright position, and if you can't holler, just say amen. And with no other time to waste, I give you Black Girl Writer's Block by Blue Poetress.
2: Black Girl Writer's Block. I need to write. I need to write a poem, but the black ink in my pen refuses to allow itself to bleed on my white pages. This poem that is stuck in my head needs to come out but it fears the pain and degradation that all Blacks feel when we open our mouths. This palm of mine is filled with wrath as it watches the revolution get a fire start in Minneapolis. My poem wants to rage its own poetic war for George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Richard Brooks and Mike Brown and Natasha McKenna and Samir Rice and Sandra Bland and Eric Gardner and Amadou Diallo and Philandro Castillo and Trayvon Martin and Sean Bell and Elijah McClain and Ahmaud Arbery and. 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 damn! There's not enough ink or enough trees to be cut down to produce enough paper to write down all of the names of our slain brothers and sisters that this poem wants to write about. Words for this poem are strangled and choked in my throat. They feel the imaginary knees of a corrupt system crushing the syllables and consonants before they can even be uttered just beyond my teeth. This poem woke me up like a nightmare out of my sleep. Like that last scene in a horror film and you think you're safe, but a cop breaks down your door and kills you in your own home while you are asleep. Oh, this poem lacks warrants or an alibi or a cold blue silence. It does not want to remain silent. It wants to be heard. It wants to be seen. It wants to preach. It wants to educate. It wants to breathe. It wants to live. It wants to live. It wants to live but how can it when all the ones who need to hear it are deaf to a black poet's struggle with writer's block thank you
1: the time has come to leave you to your thoughts and words the hope is that what was shared in this space was encouraging empowering and a catalyst to write special thanks to valor music llc for all audio production and mixing all business inquiries and advertising inquiries can be sent to circle the block at gmail.com if you feel so inclined to support the work of this podcast to continue to fight erasure of black and minority writers consider supporting through Cash App at dollar sign J-B-H-W-R-I-T-E-S, that's J-B-H-Writes, or PayPal at S-G-L-L-C at yahoo.com. We will see you next time when we circle the blog. Are you having a hard time finding a black narrator? Your search is over. Let Ghost Readers bring the voice in your head to life. Ghost Readers provides voice services, ads, audiobook narration, and even super simple ready-to-go voiceover templates. Visit ghostreaders.com. Let us add soul to your words.